On this episode of Star Trek Universe, we are talking about Star Trek Prodigy, the first and second episode, Lost and Found, right after these mystery sponsors. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Star Trek Universe, the podcast where you get to listen in on the continuing Star Trek conversation that two lifelong friends have been having since they were six years old. My name is Matthew Carroll. And I am David C. Robertson. Dave. Let's talk about Prodigy, my friend. Oh my gosh. Let's do this thing. Uh, first off, spoiler free for like 30 seconds. Just what's your spoiler free take? Um, my spoiler free take is that it was action packed. It was fun filled. It had a lot of heart. Um, there's a very deep kernel of what I feel like, uh, Star Trek is about, which is hope. Mm-hmm. In these two episodes. I mean, it's, it's finding new life and, and, you know, recognizing it like that. That's the, yeah. that's the other thing that was like pretty heavy in this is like di- diverse people trying to understand each other and the power of understanding each other is like the, one of the key moments in this whole thing is, is, a, is the power of understanding each other. And like, it's just, it's, it's good, man. It's really good. It is really good. It's great for kids. It's great for adults. Um, if you were sitting, sitting back and going, I'm not going to watch this, this is for kids. Don't, don't fool yourself. This is really fantastic Star Trek. And I would say, I would venture to say, this is the best Star Trek opener we've ever seen. I think you're right. I think you're right. Now, there, I have great affection for some of the Star Trek openers. I love the first episode of Voyager. I love the first episode of DS9. Um I even mm-hmm. love I even love the first episode of TNG a lot. <laughs> like uh, there's the I, I know it's rough, but it's also like I have a great affection for it. But yeah, I, I do too. I definitely do too. Talking about a fully realized like knowing what it is, knowing how to deal with these characters, like this is this is definitely the most well formed Star Trek show I think we've ever seen uh, mm-hmm. right off the bat, and it is it's wonderful. I love all the characters. Uh, I love. The animation is one is is really really great. It's got that sort of Pixar style, maybe. I don't know what would you call it. I wouldn't call it Pixar, but it's a little less cutesy than Pixar. It, it is CGI. It is um. It well, I mean, it looks very much like the DreamWorks stuff from okay. uh the uh Tales of Arcadia, which is what the Hagman brothers had just came from. So right, you mentioned that. I was just trying to think of something bigger that maybe more people have seen that might connect it. But I agree, even even older DreamWorks stuff maybe mm-hmm. monsters inc and stuff like that well, that's pixar oh that's pixar i thought that was DreamWorks. <laughs> i don't know any of these i don't know I, i'm not the animation uh-huh. guy we should have had jay scotty on today um <laughs> or zuhair um 
yeah, uh, it's, it's, if you like, if you don't like Star Trek, this is like the show you want to check out. Like it's, I've been saying for a while that one of the things I, I haven't liked about the new era of Star Trek is the sort of like gap between there's sort of this adult Star Trek that's going on that's very much fan servicey and stuff. And then there's mm-hmm. like, uh, I was worried that this stuff would be so for kids that it wouldn't be interesting to someone like me and you, but it is so good. At least this first episode is, really just like hit on all cylinders. Now, uh, some shows, uh, especially Star Trek's of the past have had a bad first episode and sort of like gotten better over time. I think it's been the curse of Star Trek. Um, but I will say sometimes pilots of these kinds of shows are great. And then they kind of dip because they spend a year or two writing the pilot and making it really tight. Mm -hmm. And then like, Oh, we, now we got to write one a week or whatever, you know, like, (laughs) um, and then it becomes a little less, uh, fully realized. I'm hoping that's not the case with this. I'm hoping they really planned out the entire season and like had a good plan. Based on everything that they've talked about, it seems like they have definitely planned out an arc for the characters. Okay. Um, Good. Just the hearing hearing them speak at the uh, that Star Trek thing they did a few months ago, and then reading interviews, and then we'll get into it in the spoiler section. But like every sure. character has an arc already that like they're, they're have, they have something they're missing or something you don't understand about them or something we're going to learn. Like a- every character sort of has these like little nuggets of the future being pointed to already, and I'm that excites mm-hmm. me a lot. Mm-hmm. Because it does seem like they have a plan. I'm invested. I'm very invested. They got me. Let's get into spoilers <laughs> then. You guys, if, sure. you, if you haven't seen it, go see it. We're going to talk about all the spoilers now. Uh, what did you think, man? What, what's the... What 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 hit you hardest in this episode? I don't know about what hitting me... What hit me hardest. I, I did... There is something fundamentally tragic that, that always affects me when I see something like this where there is... Like they literally like the slaves on this planet that we find Dalad uh to begin with, uh freaking the diviner refers to them as the unwanted. Yeah. They're prisoners and orphans, you know, like Oh that yeah, is, that's the line that got me. I've I've brought you every criminal and orphan this side of the Delta. Um mm-hmm. talking about the Delta Quadrant the Kazon says, and it's just like yeah. Criminals and orphans, man. The, the unwanted of society are just, you know, stacked up here. And I, I was kind of wondering about that unwanted line because he says that about that cat creature. <laughs> the, the, it's Cication. Cication. Okay, it is. No, uh, no. Yeah, it's Cication from, you know, like uh, Imres uh, or uh, the – now I can't remember her name. The the cat from – the cat doctor from Lower Decks. <laughs> Takana, Takana. You're not gonna remember. (laughs) No, for sure not. But I thought if I could make the sound that's similar to it, you might get there. Doctor Tahani, Tahani, Takana, Zapata. I don't know. Whatever. We're not going bad with names. (laughs) Very, very bad with names. We know. Especially Lower Decks feels like it has too many characters. Like Star Trek generally has about seven characters that are like the prime characters to pay attention to, but Lower Uh Decks doubles that because it's like the lower decks and then their upper management. There's only like four lower deckers. Uh, yeah, that's true. But then there's, you know, it feels like a full complement of bridge crew. Mm. I mean, yeah, some of them don't get as much focus, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We've talked about lower decks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I tried to pull away. I can't do it. I have to know who the doctor from Lower Decks is named. It's Tahana. It's Tahana. I got I close. I said Tahana. You said Tahana. 
With an H. Yeah, that's close. Like I said, I didn't say I got it. I said I got close. <laughs> the the cat creatures, the Cation, they're, they're called? Yeah. So they're all over the universe? Why does a Kazon have a... That was something I was going to bring up to you, because it was... Like, we saw not only a Cation, but a Lurian, one of Morn's people. A uh, Tellarite um, as well. And a Tellarite. So, clearly, there's been some sort of breaching... Into the Delta Quadrant since Voyager ended. Do we know when this is supposed to be set exactly? Because that's, that's another question I had. Well, they have announced that we will be meeting Captain Chakotay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, okay, so this is after Voyager and still within the lifetime of a human being. <laughs> mm-hmm. Unless, uh, well, I say that, but who, who the freak knows? Like, it's Star Trek. <laughs> Captain Chakotay could have been like uh, a spinoff captain who was frozen and sent to another universe or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, could be, but it's Robert Beltran, and I don't, I, I don't think they're gonna. I think it's gonna be Prime <laughs> Chakotay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that gives us an idea. I, I was really curious about that, like, because it obviously it seems post Voyager for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless again, unless there's time hijinks, which this diviner, right? Like what character does that most remind you of in the history of Star Trek? Uh, I, I, I don't know who first thing I thought of when I see this man standing there talking about his grand plans and not giving a lot of information and in some sort of tube of light. I was like, is this future guy? Oh, <laughs> like it, and it feels very much like something's going on with the diviner. I mean, he's called the diviner, which means he has future knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what divination is like. Yeah. But he's also watching over a trash heap. So he might just be like sad little King of a sad little hill. Sure. But he also did know about the ship. So like, I think he's come here with knowledge of what this planet holds, which is the starship. I don't know. What that means, because obviously his his plan is not to escape. So what is the Diviner's plan? What is he going to do with this ship? On Memory Alpha, it, it says that he's in a tube of uh, liquid. Oh, really? Or a fluid. Oh, I couldn't tell that yeah, at all. Yeah, it's not light. It's fluid, apparently. And that's why at the end, when it was like all shattered and all over the place, it was a big deal. Okay. Yeah, I didn't catch that, I, I guess. It looked, gotcha. like, it looked like a tube of light to me. Uh Nonetheless, uh, it reminded me, him being called the Diviner, sounds like he might have some mm-hmm. future knowledge. He, uh, might. he might be from the future. Them being the last of their kind makes me, mm-hmm. gives me real like Doctor Who vibes. <laughs> Where like, yeah. you know, maybe there was some future war and they came back to try to stop it by stopping whatever the ship is supposed to do. Yeah, maybe so. And I, that's, that's, that's right up my alley. I did all of that. I'm, I would be happy to watch all of that. Yeah, same. I am really invested in everybody in this show. I really want to know what the Diviner's deal is. Like, he yeah. told uh, Jimmy Simpson, I'm going to keep calling him Jimmy Simpson. His name is Dreadnought. But <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna, he told Jimmy Simpson, he was like, she can't know, like, you know, the real purpose of, of our plans. Yeah. And I don't think he was just talking about she can't know that we're looking for the Protostar. No, no. What is their plan with the Protostar is the mystery. Yeah. Here. And, like, the Federation is obviously known. In the Delta Quadrant, um, beyond Voyager, I would imagine, because one, he's looking for the protostar, and two, he says that he doesn't want the Federation, like... Well, he says the ideals of the Federation infecting her her mind. Yeah. Which I, I made me think that the Federation is not known 
and that like because especially none of these none of these guys that get in the ship, uh, none of the none of the, the crew of the of the protostar seem to think know what the Federation is. They find the translator, which I love. I love, love, love that moment so much for multiple reasons. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm getting like warm and fuzzies thinking about how good that moment is because from the very beginning of this episode, uh, doll is, uh, in, in, you know, he he says, Oh yeah, I forgot. No one understands me here or something like that. And it's like this, mm-hmm. this idea of keeping people separate by not letting them talk. And then when they find a translator, that's the thing that turns life around for these guys. And that's just such a cool moment and very Star Trek, you know, <laughs> just yeah. love it. But also th- there's that, but then there's also the, the fact that he realizes that, um, rock rock talk is, yeah. is not, uh, a big scary guy. At least her, her voice is that of a little girl's. Um, and it's, it's like, what, what is rock talk and like, what is rock talk's experience? You know, it's, mm-hmm. it seems very different than what he was, he and we were sort of assuming based on, uh, the voice and look. And I, and again, I just love that. I love the very Star Trek nature of like, they don't judge a book by its cover, like in, in its most yeah. like real sense. And I just love it. I just absolutely love it. <laughs> yep. I, I dug all of it. Um, I love Jacob Pog being like, you understand Jacob Pog? Jacob Pog understands you? How? And they're like, magic. And he's like, oh, it's a translator. A magic translator. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's actually, there's a couple lines that Rock Talk says. When Rock Talk first, like, speaks, uh, mm-hmm. she said, he's like, it must be a translator. And she's like, yeah, I knew that. I'm big, not dumb, which I love that line. And I thought, I thought we were going to get this, uh, sort of smart, young, like, young, girl who's like really like i don't know has a powerful mind and then she makes some statements over the next like three and four minutes that are like oh she is playing the dumb one though like <laughs> 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 i forget what they are but she that's one of them where she's like a magic translator like that sounds like something like they would say in dumb and dumber or something like it's really really kind of silly on the nose, which I, I, I enjoyed, but I thought it was weird with her sentence a minute ago. Like I'm big, not dumb. And then she goes forward to make like a bunch of dumb statements, <laughs> which are funny, but they're, it's weird for that line to be su- supersede the other lines. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I kind of like that, but I also like the fact that she, it didn't feel like that. She was saying she doesn't believe it was a magic translator, but she's like, Trying to like trick, uh, Jankum Pog into doing something. Oh, and gotcha. Then, and I, then like. That's not how I took it. It's clearly like he's smarter than she thought he was. So like she's being a hypocrite. And he's like clearly smarter than she thought. And then mm. she's like, uh, magic translate. It's just like, I felt like it was just an awkward <laughs> exchange. Yeah. I, I, I <laughs> sort of trying to like walk back what she was doing. Yeah. I see that. I see that. Oh man, I, I the Tellarite thing is that yep. canon for Tellarites that they're uh, you, you can use for reverse psychology on them. Um, pretty much. Oh yeah, okay. I, I just um, I guess I don't really know many Tellarites. Can't think of many episodes. The Tower of Babel. Uh, sorry, no, is that what it's not Tower of Babel? I suppose I was thinking actually. Sorry, I was thinking about um the Tower of Babel for this show. I was wondering if I was thinking it would be funny if they called him the Diviner because he split up their languages. He made it so they couldn't understand each other to like imprison. He divided them. them. I, I see. Well, no, like he's God. 
because God split up man and took oh, away their right, languages right. for the, the Tower of Babel. But no, Journey to Babel is, uh, I believe, the first time we see the Tellerites in TOS. And, um, and then, uh, I, I believe Archer employed the, the use of reverse psychology quite a bit in Enterprise to, uh, to smooth things over between the Tellerites and the Andorians. Funny. <laughs> it's very, very silly. Like but it. I don't think it was to this extreme. Right. Right. Well, let's, like, let's go through some of these. Ca- I mean, I didn't know where to go because it's so, so much. And I know we can't make this episode the longest episode, but like, I it's freaking dense. loved it. It's, it's dense. dense. It's got a lot. Like, I, I love that first escape scene where Dahl was trying to escape it. Like, really gives you a sense of his character, his sort of passion for freedom. And like, I, I watched that first bit with my niece, uh, my 10 year old niece. And I was like, I think you'll like this. And I threw it on. And she was just like, as soon as he like, th- it didn't work. And he's felt falling back to the planet. Uh, she's like, Oh, I wanted him to escape. And I was like, me too. I wanted it so yep. bad for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Ugh, so good. So it would just well, well done, well established. You know what he wants from early on in the episode. Um, and you kind of get the idea that he like takes advantage of whatever he can. And he's not the smartest because he, he does a few things that are like, uh, he fails multiple times and yep. that just sets up his character in this really cool place. He actually reminded me a little bit of Malcolm Reynolds. It's, it's sometimes, uh-huh. um, just the way he's sort of like brash and, um, confident, but he fails often <laughs> and everyone around him sees through him and doesn't value him as much as he values himself. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really like his relationship with Gwen. I really like their chemistry and, um, I, I love that the little like human moments from her, like, mm-hmm. The empathy for the Cation, like the, she doesn't want things to be the way they are. She doesn't want to be there. You know, she wants him to escape. Even when she's like trying to impose her father's rule, there's a part of her that's like, ah, I don't want this to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I totally agree. I really like her a lot. He says, you take care of my unwanted. It's like she has this compassion that the diviner doesn't have. And, uh, yeah, I just, I, I thought it was really, really fun. By the way, the diviner, freaking John Noble, killing it, as yeah. he always does. Absolutely. As he always does. Absolutely. And Jimmy Simpson, too, he was so creepy as Dreadnought. <laughs> yeah, and I think Dreadnought, because he's an AI, I think he can be sort of full-on evil. But the diviner has a reason for the things he's doing. I think he's going to be a mm-hmm. bit of a mustache twirler, but he like believes that they have a purpose here. Like he believes yeah. they've come back to save their people. And I think he like it there, there he's willing to do something very dark for that reason. It actually reminds me of funny enough. Um, uh, what is it? The, f- there's an episode where is it the final episode of Voyager where Janeway goes back in yep. time to save her people, but she's doing a thing that her people would never agree to. Yep. And that, that kind of reminds me of this. Like he's doing something to save their people, but he's, he knows it's, he knows it's wrong and he knows his, his compassionate daughter would never buy into it. Um, that's kind of the vibe I'm getting, which is interesting. I would love to see like the, <laughs> I would love to see that conversation. I don't think we ever will. I'd love to see that conversation between, 
uh, the Janeway hologram and the diviner, <laughs> you know? Yeah. If I'm reading that right. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down for that. Yeah. <laughs> As I've said many times before on this show, my favorite scene in any of the Matrix movies is the architect scene. Yep. I, love I just like scene. people sitting there hashing it out philosophically. Mm-hmm. Like, I dig love that it. shit. Me too. Uh, I, I often say that same thing. Uh, that scene is a, is a great example. And also Doc Brown in, uh, in Back to Future 2 explaining the different time time streams. It's just like, yeah, that's, I love that shit. Give me a whiteboard any day. <laughs> I love it, but also hate that scene because it breaks the universe from the first movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it doesn't does. really break the universe. It it just retells what he's doing in the first movie because now he no longer fixed his universe. He just arrived in a different one that was better. <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah. uh, is weird because it, it's kind of the Rick and Morty idea, which is what, what's so funny that they do that a lot. Where like you, you can jump to a new universe. that's very similar to yours <laughs> and just like, yeah. but then what happens to the other universe where Marty just disappears, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a, well, theoretically, another Marty from a different universe where he was, his universe was worse, arrived. Could, yeah, could arrive or better. That could, he could have like messed up the past yeah. or no, uh, Marty at all. Like it really just, you just don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, but that's the thing. If you choosing to only care about the characters you have on screen, it's kind of a thing that Back to the Future does. It's like, uh-huh. just kind of ignores the fact that you're destroying and, and remaking universes. <laughs> <laughs> the god level power that Marty and Doc have, and they just like, yeah, but I want to save my girlfriend. <laughs> but you just destroyed a universe, man, or you created one, or whatever. Oh man, it's fun. I'll <laughs> send you a picture of myself. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you a note that'll yeah. destroy an entire universe, Doc. Yes, but you'll know where I am. <laughs> I am the only thing that matters. <laughs> Uh, those are darker than I've really realized until now. Yeah, they are. Did did you get of the Vonicott? Did you get vibes that they were a similar species to the the uh, characters from Beyond Star Trek Beyond? That's interesting. No, I didn't think about that at all. But they look very similar. They do. I can't remember what that species is called, but I I had to look it up. I was like, is they are they the Vonicott? <laughs> because that's for a second I thought that that was what was going on. Mm. But it's not. Interesting. Okay. Well. I'm sure it's not, but I don't know what they're called. Oh, you didn't look it up. I thought you had. Jayla. I looked up, I looked up the Vonicott on Memory Alpha and they were nowhere else in Star Trek. Mm. So one of, one of the writers said that, um, the character of Murph is a reference, is, is a deep cut reference that no one has guessed yet. Huh. So. Wait, which one's Murph? He's the little slug thing. Oh. Interesting. And a um, bunch of people think that he's a Denebian slime devil. Okay. <laughs> that, But there was a picture of a Denebian slime devil in, in sickbay, so they didn't look like Murph. Um, my favorite theory is that it's a baby Nassim. Uh... A baby caretaker, uh, basically, because it did, it does look a lot like what the caretaker did when it was dying and like reverting back to like a gel form and then to a crystal form. 
Interesting. That would be really interesting. Would from, it? Uh, uh, yeah. If for for yeah for for <laughs> for those of us uh, are not as in the know about the caretakers. Explain the caretakers. Uh, the caretaker is, uh, or the well, the caretaker was part of a species. Um, I believe he his mate was the last of its kind, as far as we know. But they they're the ones, or the caretaker was the one that brought uh, Voyager. He was bringing ships to uh, to his location because he knew he was dying, and he wanted uh, someone new to come and you know power him and give power to the Ocampa to keep taking care of them. Star Trek Voyager. Oh, that's the caretaker. I'm sorry. I was thinking of the... Um, oh, you were asking me to explain it to you. No, yeah. No, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> because when you said caretaker, I was thinking of the preservers. That's what went in through my head. Ah, I've seen a lot of people, though, say like, oh my god, is, is Murph a shaven tribble? And I'm like, no. A shaven tribble? How would that even work? He's huge. I know. Yeah, that doesn't seem to work at all. Uh, H. John Benjamin said that when you shave a triple, there's nothing but blood red meat. Ugh. That is canon. Uh, okay, let's go down these characters real quick. Uh, who we got? Who we got? We got Dahl, of course. Who uh-huh. We haven't spoken about it yet, but he is an unknown species, which is interesting. Which is it's a great way to put you right. Like, right away, you give us the notion he doesn't know who he is. Right. He is, he is an unknown quantity, and I dig that. Yeah, yeah. By the way, just 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 so you know, I looked it up, and apparently Jayla's species from Star Trek Beyond is also unknown. So mm. uh, they look very similar to me, but I, I, I could could be completely uh, not a thing. But that I, yeah, that's weird that that they didn't name that species in that movie. Yeah, um, I'm down though. That's cool. That's interesting. Okay, uh, so who knows? Maybe they are the last of their kind, the Vonnegut. Um, yeah, I, I agree completely. It puts you right in the, right in, he doesn't know who he is. It gives you, it gives him this like inner yearning that you already got this like thing that you want for him. He wants freedom and he wants to know who he is. Like that's who mm-hmm. Dahl is. And he like is confident and he just so many, I think of that like red letter media, a review of, of star Wars where he's like talking about you know, good characterization. And when you, when you can describe them without describing what they look like. And I already feel so many things about doll and know so many things about doll and how he, who he is. And I just think it's great. It's awesome. Yeah. And if, if, you know, there's a a, definitely a way to push this story wise where, you know, he yearns for freedom, but he doesn't know who he is. And he wants to know who he is. There is something to be said for knowing who you are and being trapped in that. Mm. You know, and, and, and then, you know, sort of the, you know, be careful what you wish for thing. Yeah. Once he finds out who he is, he will be trapped in that. And he needs to, you know, he will have to break away from that too. Yeah. Uh, Confidence can come from versatility. Uh, it may, may be the wrong word I'm looking for, but like, 
confidence can come from that sort of ability to believe whatever you think about yourself. Mm -hmm. And once you have a certain thing that you know about your past or your lineage or your whatever, you might go, oh, well, maybe that's not who I am. Maybe I'm not the guy, the freewheeling spirit that I think I am. That's why I have no interest in my past. <laughs> I kind of feel that. <laughs> I do. My, my my sister is totally into like the genealogy stuff, and I'm just like, oh, really? I don't need to know. Interesting. And I don't want to know. Yeah, I, I, I don't care at all. <laughs> Not even a little. Yeah. I, you know, who knows? Maybe one day I'll be curious. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I know nothing about my family lineage really, and don't really care. You know, it has come into uh, it's it's come in handy. My anti-vaxxer dad. Oh, has no. been claiming that he has never been immunized with anything. And my sister was like, yeah, you were born in blah, blah, blah. Right. And he was like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, you got your shots. <laughs> I have the records. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So that was a nice. Yeah. <laughs> what a world. Yeah. What a world we're in right now. Um, Okay. <laughs> we'll see. We've got, we talked a little bit about her. Um, the diviner's daughter. What's her name? Gwen. Gwen. That's right. <laughs> it's the first episode. I'm still getting them. Still getting them. So yeah, Gwen, uh, is also like compassionate, but also complicit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she doesn't have power to, but I'm, I'm curious how many episodes it'll take before she like, is actually against her father, you know? Like, I have a feeling she'll at first have some things where she, like, just needs to save the ship and needs to help because it's good for Mm -hmm. everybody on the ship, but eventually she's going to have to stand up to her father, right? Yeah, and I assume she'll find some, or they'll, he'll, in in an act of desperation, she'll see him do something truly horrendous, you know, and she'll go, oh, we're not doing that anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if nothing else, she's going to, as she's been doing, see the value in all the life of the unwanted. And that continues to be the case. She's among the unwanted now. And she's going to continue to see their value when he's hunting them down to kill them. And she's saying, no, 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 don't. These are people that I care about. You know, that that in itself is probably enough. Yeah. I'm very curious if they're going to go back for the Cation. Because they left that little Cation girl. Yeah, I thought I thought about that too. I thought about really all the unwanted and like th- she's been the compassionate caretaker of these people. Then like who you know who what happens to them now? You know when all all they have is left is uh, John Noble and Jimmy Simpson. <laughs> um, that's 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 a rough life. Hmm. Mm. Man. I wonder if that'll be something she's concerned with when she's talking about taking her back. Like, I wonder if she'll be, you have to take me back. My job is to care for these people. Like my dad's going to treat them bad if I'm not there, you know? Yeah. That, that, which is like a really noble reason to want to go back. And, you know, also something that they can't do because it would, you know, put them all in danger. Well, you know, I could easily hear the, the kid like Dal going, well, then we got to go rescue him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially like if there's another Starfleet vessel that, that comes into play. If we're if we're getting Captain Chakotay, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I love the idea that the Federation is unknown to Gwen and that he doesn't want the you know the ideals of the Federation infecting her mind. Like, and now she's on a ship that that's all it's going to do. She she's already compassionate and hopeful. 
and now, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the ship she's on. I, I'm very excited to see, and I'm excited to see Catherine Janeway as like a purveyor of what the Federation is about. And, uh, you know, it's, it should be good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Holographic training advisor. I think she said she was Mm-hmm. interesting. Very interesting. Is she like, I don't know, like the new EMH like version that helps you train you for bridge life. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, in, in case that there are no commanding officers on board. Yeah. I wonder if she will be a character and not just an advisor. You know what I mean? Just like the EMH was. Oh, um, I imagine so. Yeah. That's interesting. Because I could totally see it just being like she is a piece of software and she is helping, but not really having her own self own journey of self discovery as a separate character from Janeway. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I would hope so. Like just like uh, the Doctor had a completely self separate uh, self journey than than his maker Zimmerman. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no. I w- I think it would be an amazing opportunity for Kate Mulgrew as well to yeah. play the character differently and find new shades and new tones mm-hmm. within the, the, the makeup of Janeway. How cool would it be if they do make it back to like Federation space or whatever? And like this Janeway hologram has developed similar to the EMH, like let's say six years into this show and it gets, to, she gets to meet the like actual Janeway prime. And it's like, just a totally, they're totally different people and they have, they're on different sides of an issue or something. That would be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited be. about this show. <laughs> so so freaking excited Mm. okay uh we got fugitive zero Uh uh-huh interesting character i i i really enjoyed fugitive zero (laughs) me too me too medusin i'm assuming that's from other trek the original series yeah okay cool also interesting you know we've talked about on um Discovery, there's a non-binary character now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in this, they've also introduced a non-binary character. But I don't know. I, like, I really like that they're introducing a non-binary character who is sassy and can get, have those lines about, you know, I'm not a he or a she, but not necessarily be offended by it. But, like, it could actually teach kids, like, hey, this is a thing that exists, you know? Like, they call her they. <laughs> See, I can't even do it. I'm so bad at it. That's the thing, though. But, like, introducing kids to this on a show is really interesting mm-hmm. because it, like, can allow those sorts of conversations to happen in a non-combative way. Yeah, and that was the case in TOS. It, they weren't binary. They were just... Energy beings that was driving right. you mad. Right, right, right. But having a non-binary character that they, I'm assuming they will continue to call them they, mm-hmm. uh, or something like that. Yeah, well, yeah is, it totally normalizes it. Yeah, it normalizes it for, for kids to allow them to, like, have those, uh, at least be able to use the language in a way that I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> like, that I can, still can't to this day. I just called them a her, uh, because the, the voice is female and that, and I can't think outside the binary. Like, that's just how I was raised. It's really hard for me. And mm-hmm. like, so it's, it's interesting to have on a kid's show, just like non-combatively, this is a Medusan. Non-binary. Yeah. Now there was, there was a great, um, exchange with the Medusan. Uh, with zero, uh, and it felt like the original series Trek. Mm. It did. It um, there is when uh, Dow comes back 
And they're like, you survived? He's like, of course I survived. Why do you all look so surprised? <laughs> Were you going to leave without me? And they're like, uh, no. Yeah. And then Zero says, your chance of return was low. Our desire to leave remained high. <laughs> it's so great. And, it's and so spot I could just to me. Uh, and then I could hear Kirk, as Dal said, you know, but I could hear Kirk in it. I could be offended later. Yeah, <laughs> Totally. Totally. Oh man, you're right. Yeah, that talking about Star Trek moments, like the moments that felt most Star Trek to me. And I it almost felt like this was the moment the Federation came into the story in a way. Um I mean clearly it, it had earlier with the translator, uh, but when they're trying to escape, everything had been sh- none of this felt like Star Trek to me. It felt like a totally separate thing. And I, and I love it. I love what it is. It has the ideals of Star Trek, but it's, it's communicating in a completely different visual and, and like sort of writing language. Like it's just a totally different thing. It feels like to me, mostly mm-hmm. uh, except for in its ideals. But then when they were getting out of the, the tube, they're, they're flying out of the uh, structure and mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're working on the phasers and the phasers come online just in time. And he's like, we got phasers, baby. It did a shot of the primary hull that you, we have seen on a thousand Star Trek things where it's doing like a full spread of phaser yep. beams from the start, from the primary hull. And like, it's, it, it was like Star Trek. It was like, a, it was as if a starship fleet vessel had joined the story at that moment to mm-hmm. do the thing and save the people. And it just made me feel so excited and warm hearted. Like, I remember seeing that in the trailer for this, him saying, we got phasers, baby. And it like, it resonated with me then too, but like, in context, it was even greater. Uh, yeah. So cool. So, so cool. I agree. I, uh, and I, I, I don't want to keep seeing the same kind of Star Trek. I love TNG DS9 and Voyager. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Voyager less so, but we're working on that. I'm doing a rewatch. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but, you know, I want something different. It, a franchise cannot stay the same or it will die. Uh, so I just had this conversation with my mom last night Yeah, <laughs> who, who yeah, yeah. cannot accept Batman, who isn't Michael Keaton. And I'm like, he was, <laughs> he was Michael Keaton twice. Yep. I mean, he was Batman twice. He was Michael Keaton lots of times. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think this, this show is doing what a lot of Star Trek has been trying to do, which is like retell Star Trek in a new and modern way and like still hold on to the ideals. And that's something that it struggled to do. It's like to, to compete with modern adult drama, you have to be like, Oh, it has to be a antihero. You know what I mean? Like it, Start, start the hopefulness of Star Trek feels dated somehow. And so when they make these dramas like Discovery or even, um, even Picard to some degree, it like feels like they have to make people make sort of like questionable decisions and have like a lot of anti-hero stuff going on. And, uh, this is just by virtue of completely changing the medium. It's, it's kind of escaping that sort of trap of, mm-hmm. of feeling either dated or too hopeful or, Pollyanna or whatever. There's a, there's a thing with new Star Trek where if you have a bunch of Federation characters, it, you're, you're going to be either, Oh, they're too flawed or, Oh God, this is, this doesn't work for today. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
And I'm excited, I'm excited to see how they tackle that in Strange New Worlds because I think that's going to be the show where they try, where they ignore that sort of impulse to be modern. And, and it seems, um, not that they won't be modern, but that impulse to be anti-hero-y because that's not what Star Trek necessarily is. Not that it can't be. I'm just I saying. don't know that they're going for anti-hero anyway. I think it's just the, you, you have to have, if, especially if you're doing serialized television, like if you're doing like an episode by episode, like, you know, thing like TNG, you, you can have like the, the characters full of hope and they're always like the, you know, like the, right. the, the guiding light. But yeah. if you are going and you're doing like, here is an arc, we're going to explore this. You want to have the character broken, mm-hmm. and you want to have the character find their way out of that. Yeah, they have to change for it to be interesting. And I, and and you know that I've been I've been saying that for years and years that that matters to me that they change and grow. Like that's mm-hmm. why early Star Trek doesn't resonate with me as much. Like I can't sit down and do a rewatch as easily because I'm just like every episode feels like we're re- resetting um, because we are. But. Yeah, uh, I think, I think that's been an issue for Star Trek to just find that, find that balance without, uh, without delving into the darkness of modern television, I think. Um, yeah. and I'm not saying like, it, it's always the goal, but it just, it does seem to re- reside there where, I mean, even, yeah, like it's this almost a silly example, but Michael Burnham on Discovery, Oh, she's a prisoners that caused a war. And I don't think that ever resonates, but like mm-hmm. that's the, the, the character they set up as the person who made the decision to start a war, which is like mm-hmm. not a federation thing. And so like, I don't think it resonates that way because you're so with her all along on those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but like, I, I think they do kind of go for that. And I mean, like all the crew of Picard ship, like you got this sort of guy who seems like he doesn't really care as the captain. Uh, he seems like he's like done with the Federation, you know, uh, you, you got the, the girl who you really like, but ends up being a murderer, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so like they, these are, these are in, in some ways anti-heroes. Well, I mean, you know, I remember when DS9 came out, there was a lot of flack and there was for years uh, following that the primary character, the lead of the show was a, a human being in the Federation in Starfleet who was holding a grudge against yeah. Captain Picard. I think the better question is how is Captain Picard a murderer as Locutus and still a captain? Like, yes, he was taken over, but those are some horrendous crimes. Cisco's got a point. Like, so there's, uh, you know, and also this guy killed his wife. Like, <laughs> but Cisco had a journey as well. Yeah. And yeah. it was something DS9 did very well. Right. And, uh, but yeah, for people, there are people in the fandom who don't, who they don't like that fallen status. Like discovery right. is far from the first Star Trek to do this. Mm-hmm. Kirk was broken. Kirk was fallen several times. Right. Um, I think the, I think the idea, and I think this is where you kind of have to try to navigate in Star Trek is that like, your characters can be flawed, at least for me. Like, I, I love a good flawed character, but oh, yeah. there has to be an ideal they're striving for, even if they fail at times. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Cisco's my favorite, but like, he's, and he's incredibly flawed and he does horrible things in some places, but he does them because he thinks the ideals are worth protecting, even if you need to break the ideals sometimes. Um, 
it's it's a it's it's a tricky road to walk, but it's real, and and that's what's interesting. And the ideals of the Federation are important, and then clearly this show, uh, Prodigy, is going to try to maintain those ideals of the Federation by introducing them to people who've never had them before. Mm-hmm. And that is super cool. Like the idea of this crew going around, I don't know if it's all going to be a chase story or if they're going to encounter other worlds or what, but like the idea that they're going to need to make decisions that make them part of the Federation, that make them part of the like lineage of Starfleet. Like I, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love everything about this show so far. I love the references. I love that we saw the Kazon. I love the, uh, the window of dreams, which was a star cluster that was, that was brought up in body and soul and Voyager. They did some really cool, like references in here that made me really feel like, even though it wasn't very, the show mostly was not very Star Trek. It made me feel like it was in the Star Trek universe. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. I absolutely agree with that. I, I think it really does. And it feels like they're, this feels like it's clearly residing in the Star Trek universe. I mean, there's a few things, as we talked about with like animation, sometimes certain things are silly, like doll falling in that loader with no seatbelt on in the first scene and like not dying. Uh, it was like, oh, okay, that's not great. But like that wouldn't, that's probably not a real thing, but you could headcanon it for sure. But it's like, yeah, no, they didn't, they didn't show him hit the ground. Like, so they could, he could have been rescued because, you know, we can't right. have our work or, you know, we got to, yeah, maybe there's, maybe there was some sort of, uh, you know, airbag system or something who knows or or anti-grav or whatever but it it just mm-hmm. yeah, little things like that where you well there's another scene even before that when he just falls off of that sort of like uh that elevator that they shoot that chain and it breaks and he falls he falls a really long way and just falls on rocks and it's like he bounces up and keeps running and it's like okay so i guess he's really young and just still made of cartilage <laughs> Or he's alien and he, you yeah. know. Yeah, right, exactly. There's, we, don't, there's we don't know how strong he is. Plenty of ways to headcanon it, uh, for sure. And, and like, even live action Star Trek will sometimes do things like that, where, oh gosh, we fell off a mountain, but it's okay. I just kind of scratched my leg. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it's still, uh, it, it, like, I think other than that kind of stuff that's just like stylistic to the animation, I think this, this feels very much in the world of like, you know, Star Trek Prime or whatever. Mm-hmm. Very excited to see Rose. I, and I love the new ship. The new ship is beautiful. Yeah. God. Um I like I believe it or not, I like the Kelvin verse nacelles on it. I don't Oh yeah. <laughs> it does it doesn't bother me that it looks like it's from the Kelvin verse. <laughs> <laughs> um it's apparently bothering a lot of people. I don't That's some personal growth right there, Dave. Well, I mean, we know <laughs> there's only so many designs in the universe, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, but uh, yeah, I, I like, I actually like the nacelles from the Kelvin verse. Yeah. They look like they're from like, like a 1950s cars or something. Yeah, for sure. I like it too. You just don't like that. It's different from the thing that it makes it not fit in the universe or whatever, particularly in those timelines. There's a lot of wiggle room. I'll say that there is a lot of wiggle room. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Design wise, yeah, absolutely. I have a few things I wrote down. If you you got anything else you want to throw out, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Let's just see what you say. All right. Uh, I like that Zero can't fight. (laughs) 
I, re- I really liked it because, like, I don't know, especially on an animated show, like, every, or on, the, on all these shows, really, like, every Federation officer could always fight. And I, like, it, it seems like they all, they all have some skill or whatever. And I just liked yeah. it, like, they're Medusin, they have all this ability, but, like, when he's like, they're like, we're fighting now or not, like, because they just can't fight. And I just thought that was super fun. <laughs> Yeah, that was fun. I did appreciate the bit where they were like, yeah, I've, I've made this suit without arms or whatever. Like I built the suit. Uh, doll was like basically shitting on the suit. And they said, try to build one without any hands. I think I did a fine job. <laughs> that was what it was. I found it. That's good. That's good. Uh, I did enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, it was really good. I, I liked that. uh, the Tellerite was also like interested in uh, taking the Medusa apart. <laughs> uh-huh. Can't wait to take this apart. He's like, ah, if you've seen one ship, you've seen them all. I'm interested in this guy. <laughs> uh-huh. Jason Mantzoukas is perfect for that character. Oh, he's so good. He's so good for it. Um, I forget what this is about. I have a lot of it. <laughs> what have you been doing? Is making a series of bad decisions. Uncle <laughs> <Junkle> Pog <laughs> is aware. <laughs> Yes. Yes, that was funny. It's uh, really good. Oh my gosh. Speak, speaking of things that make Gwen an absolute badass, uh, first of all, I like her linguist abilities. That's cool. The freaking morphing sword? The morphing sword, man. Oh, that's so badass. <laughs> it was so badass. Oh. And it like looked like she's like controlling it with her mind or something. Yeah, like it's man. a liquid sword. It's like a reimagined lightsaber in a way, but like. I think cooler. It like resides on her arms like it's a tattoo. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. That's yeah. so imaginative and cool. I loved it. Me too. Me too. Um, the, uh, I liked, uh, when he asks Gwen to join them, there's a look in her eyes like maybe, like there's a hope in her eyes like she could. But mm-hmm. then she says it's too late, and then that's when everyone, dis- all the all the uh, watchers, descend on them, mm-hmm. uh, showing that she hasn't a desire to join them anyway. And so when it'll make it even more believable when this starts to uh, turn, I think. Yeah, I like that. I'm down. <laughs> I on a rewatch, I really love the moment when I liked it in the uh, on the first watch too, but when Rock Talk saves doll's life and doll says you saved my life but then he still like scurries away from rock talk as Mm -hmm. if he's scared of rock talk and like there's a look on rock talk's face he kind of like shake or she kind of shakes her head and goes like 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 she's frustrated with the fact that no one can understand her and that no one understands that she's like a good meaning person and i I thought that was just really well done and just like under underline the loneliness of this planet, you know, that like these characters have been on this planet, just like busting rocks and not having anyone to communicate with. It's just mm-hmm. so, so freaking tragic. It is. It, it really is. Uh, they yeah. did a really good job of making me care about these people. Yeah. Same, same. Mm. And like I said before on the show, uh, I'm excited to see the Picar, uh, finally realized on the screen. What is the Picar? Uh, that is Rock Talk species. Oh, okay. What, that, where were they mentioned previously? Um, they came from the novels. Oh, fun! Like they originated from Worf's first adventure. 
Worf's first adventure. Wait, is that the Academy books? I think so. Yeah. I read that book as a kid. That's funny. Yeah. So they, and like the Peter David created them. Yeah. And there is a Bricard character in frontier, new frontier, uh, books. Like, I just think it's interesting to start bringing in characters specifically from the extended universe. Like, I feel like, uh, Kurtzman looked at it and said, look, man, this is a thing that like star Wars didn't do good. Where, like, they started making new movies and ignoring their extended universe. Yeah. And even Star Wars has kind of gone back and said, okay, let's do some Thrawn. Um. (laughs) Oh, it's funny you mention that because I just uh, had Matthew Fox on the MCU cast uh, last week. Fox was talking all about how, like, yeah, it's just, you know, it's cool that they're finally going back and grabbing all that Legends material for Star Wars and making it really a part of the of the prime universe Mm -hmm. kind of Marvel does that where they like pull from the source material, but they change it a little bit when needed, but they still are always pulling from the source material. And, uh, it's nice to hear you talk about Star Trek that way too. Cause I think, uh, yeah, it's definitely doing that same thing. I I think that there's a, there's a real balance there of telling new stories while pulling from materials that are beloved, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Um, I liked uh, Jason Manzukis's character's percussive maintenance. It's his specialty. <laughs> yeah, it's just a just just a great line. Percussive maintenance, just a wonderful line. <laughs> it is a good line. And I also really liked. I thought I was captain <laughs> when they asked the whole, what, "What is your role here?" He's like, "I thought I was captain." That is the most Malcolm Reynolds thing. Uh. That he said, I think, even though Malcolm Riddles is the captain on Firefly, like that is just a very like, I thought I was in charge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the presumptive I'm in charge nature. I love it. <laughs> Always the hero of your own story. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I thought that was a fun line. All right. Well, anything else uh, in this episode you want to touch on? Talk about? I don't know. I think I've hit everything that I could think of. Yeah, I, we went way longer than I planned, but I just loved this episode so much. Yeah, and that we are in cat boots. Mm-hmm. There you go. That that's something we didn't talk about. Cat boots. Super, <laughs> super silly. Super funny. I like it. Great. Uh, well. <laughs> Guys, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, we're the Star Trek Universe, uh, the podcast. <laughs> you can say Star Trek Universe podcast. I don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, we, uh, yeah, we'll be back soon. Uh, I guess next a couple days with another episode of Prodigy. Uh, I mean, it'll, I'm going out of town. I don't, I, won't, I don't have anything to record on, so it'll be a minute. It'll okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, well, we'll talk, we'll talk. I might try to hop on and do an, a second episode if you're, if you're not going to be here before the third episode, if that makes sense. Well, well I mean, I'll, you know, I'll be around. I, I don't, I'm just going to be gone for four days. I think I'll be back by the time this actually, by the time we, we, we usually get to get, get around to it is what I'm saying. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah great. I didn't know how long you were going to be gone. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Well, we'll be back soon then guys. Um, peace. Jolan true. Live long and prosper. I membered. I membered. (laughs) You membered. (laughs) Good membering, buddy. (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to the Star Trek Universe Podcast, a Stranded Panda production. If you'd like to hear more from David C. Robertson, check out the DC On Screen Podcast or maladjusted.tv for his web videos. If you'd like to hear more from Matthew Carroll, check out the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast or listen to his music. Just search for Matthew Carroll anywhere you get music. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.